All right, we're now blessed to have our sermon for today, brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews, with the message entitled, Scriptural Admonition. So they were waving at me. Am I on? I'm on. Wow, now you can probably hear me. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Keith introduced it. And while they're passing that out, Marsha Hathcock, I don't know if you, um, all of you know her. I think most of you know her. She's a lot of times in the back there helping out and putting all these things. But she says she's found, she's had about four miracles and that she actually knows about in her life. And she has one that she'd like to just quickly uh, relate about that happened just recently. Um, Marsha, if you want to come up or if you want to just stand there, whatever you want to do.
Thanks, Marcia. Thank you. Okay. Now, what precipitated this uh, message? I'm, well, there's always lots of different things that we can do. There was a uh, article. Um, I'm not even sure exactly what this. Uh, I just was perusing through and have to find this thing. It says, it's the New Testament's most frequent instruction and American Christians don't even know it's there. <laughs> so, you know, what do you do? You go and you kind of check it out and see what, what the, the... Well, he says, and I'm not going to read it all because that's not my point here, but it kind of uh, jarred me a little bit especially being the pastor and everything, and hoping that we're, that we're doing more uh, to, to bring this about rather than having this problem. Um, he said, what is a long-forgotten sin? Intellectual laziness. It's the failure to keep learning, to keep growing in knowledge, to pursue God with all our minds. So his whole paper was is that most Christians just come to church, listen to the 15-minute, 20-minute, 30-minute, 30-minute sermon, and, and go home, and that's it. And there's no, um, no delving into the Scriptures, no, no getting stronger in, 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 the, in the Word. Um, so what I was thinking is how do we, how do we grasp God's Word in a little bit uh, more depth. Well, so, as you see at the top of my uh, pass out, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God breathed. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So it's important, extremely important, we stay in the Word of God. And as I was thinking about this message today, I've also been thinking about the movement in the world, and especially how it's going to affect you and me, brethren. <laughs> because as the inflation begins to, to, to crawl up, as different things begin to happen, it is going to... to to affect all of us. It's going to affect everyone in this, in this city. It's going to affect all of, all of us um, in one way or another. Uh, maybe um, not being able to get the things that we normally get in this grocery store, uh, high prices of gasoline, all of those things. But also, as we begin to look at what's happening in the world, some of these countries that have not been awake, <laughs> are now awake, and especially Germany and all of those Eastern European countries, and we may begin to see some things transpiring in the world that we haven't seen before because of this war with Russia and the Ukrainians, and us and kind of standing back and watching it happen. So one of the things that I was thinking was, how do, we, how do we put these things in, into perspective so that it's right there in front of us? That's why I chose these one-word scriptures. <laughs> um, 
if somebody says study, where do you go? What scripture comes to your mind immediately? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman. So let's go to 2 Timothy, the second chapter. Now, uh, you might be like me. Not necessarily do you remember exactly the, the verse, but you can, re, I mean, the, the position, the, <laughs> the, um, the 2 Timothy 2.15 and all of that, but you remember what it says. You have that in your mind. Study. So we go to 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, and we see it says, Study to show yourself approved to God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And for a, a lot of us, and some that are new to this, we understand from Isaiah, and I'm not going to go there, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, so you have to put all the scriptures together to understand God's word, and you stick with the word of God. You use the word of God to prove things, to prove whether what's being said is true. I go to the scripture. Is that right? Is that the truth? Is that what we should be learning? You will, if you're studying, if you're in the word of God, you'll know, you'll understand. I didn't want to take uh, Curtis's First Thessalonians, but the fact that Paul threw so many interesting things in there, I just had to go to that fifth chapter. <clears throat> and so in the fifth chapter, beginning in, in, in verse 21, along with the study, what do you do? You prove all things. Prove it. Is it true? And then once you've proved it, hold fast that which is good. I mean, when I was first in, in the church, I don't know how many times I had heard these words preached over and over and over again, and so it became so ingrained in me, so ingrained in my mind, that when somebody says something, I want to go look and I want to prove it. Is that true? Is that right? Is that, is that what's biblical? So, prove. So when you hear the word prove, you go and you go prove it. You go look in the scriptures. Prove all things. And then hold fast. Firmly hold on to it. That which is good. And we're, we're a little different than the mainstream Christianity. We worship on the Sabbath. We, we have holy days that we go to. Different than the world, world. And why do we do that? Why do we do that? It's because we've proved that those are the things that God wants us to do. Those are the things that God commands us to do. Not just wants us, but commands us. If we are His children, then we'll be following His words. We'll get to that here in a little bit if I have time to get that far. If I say quench, a lot of people will come up with it. Oh, yeah, that's uh, what you do with, uh, with, with metals. Uh, once they're hot, you put them into oil, you put them into water, and it quenches it. It hardens the metal. But 
in the Scripture, this quench not the Spirit, because the Spirit is the fire. The Spirit in our life is the fire. It is what God is using. He is dwelling in us, and He's showing us things. He's dwelling in us. And it's like a fire that's within us. And so the Scripture says, quench not the Spirit. Don't quench that fire. Stoke that fire. Strengthen that fire. Through your study, through the things that you, you understand, through the things that you are gaining on a daily basis, through your experiences, <laughs> through the Bible studies that we, we've been having, the experiences that you go through as a Christian, and you learn certain things, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> when I was young, and I didn't say this because I was, I was just holding it for, <laughs> for the message, but when I was young, I had a problem with that, you know, you'd open your mouth and say things that you shouldn't say, and you get yourself in trouble. Well, after all the years, I could try to keep my mouth and my mind and things, um, you know, quieted down and, and, and realized that just like it was said in the, in the Bible study, you can't get to the point where you'll say something or put something out, and especially this social media is terrible. People write stuff and then 10 years later, it comes back to haunt them. It never goes away. Most of you understand that, don't you? Social media does not go away. It becomes an archive somewhere in somebody's cloud. And so consequently, they can dig it up and bring it back and use it against you. So I, I try not to ever use anything on social media. Um, I know we, we have you know, Facebook and different things that we use for the church. But I try not to do anything that would uh, get me in trouble. In, in verse 17, so quench not the spirit. Keep that spirit strong. Um, your relationship with God and the spirit to be in you. Now you do that through prayer and through you know, study. So these are so basic things. But there was, th this is an interesting thing that, that, that Paul says here in verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. We have a very interesting brain, don't we? While I'm talking, you all are thinking all kinds of things. <laughs> sometimes you're listening to me. Sometimes you're thinking about other stuff. Uh, because your mind is so much faster than, than I can preach to you. I mean, I'm, I'm slow. But your, your minds are, are quick and have, you could be thinking of several different things while also listening to what I'm saying. Well, you can use your mind in that particular manner to continue to pray to God. It doesn't have to be formal. You can be sitting there, and, and I've said this more than once during the prayer request. If you have a, a particular need and a particular prayer that you would like to in your own heart, in your own mind, you can be sitting and praying to God while we're praying for these others. Because your mind is able to, 
to, to multitask different things. I have a little short, and I don't know if, uh, Brian, were you able to, to make it? He's not able to make it. He, he couldn't do it. Okay. Well, anyway, you want to try it? Okay, give it a try. This one, to me, is one of the, this is on Fiddler on the Roof, Tevye, just before the Sabbath, and listen to what he has to say. Dear God, was that necessary? <laughs> Did you have to make him lame just before the Sabbath? <sighs> that wasn't nice. It's enough you pick on me. Bless me with five daughters, a life of poverty. That's all right. But what have you got against my horse? Really, sometimes I think, when things are too quiet up there, you say to yourself, let's see, what kind of mischief can I play on my friend Tevye? Aha! So you're finally here, my breadwinner. I'll talk to you later. So why are you late today? His foot went lame. Well, hurry up. The sun won't wait. And I have something important to say to you. Still have some deliveries in the village. You'll be late for the Sabbath. I won't be late. You'll be late. I won't be late. I won't be late. If you ever stop talking, I won't be late. You can die from such a man. As the good book says, heal us, O Lord, and we shall be healed. In other words, send us the cure. We've got the sickness already. Well, I'm not really complaining. After all, with your help, yeah, I'm starving to death. Oh, dear Lord. You made many, many poor people. I realize, of course, it's no shame to be poor, but it's no great honor either. <sighs> so what would have been so terrible if I had a small fortune? If I were a rich man, yep. When I was thinking about praying without ceasing, uh, I was thinking about Tavia walking and, you know, and talking to God and having a relationship with God. And such a relationship that it, you, you could talk to him about anything. <laughs> you know, it's, it's wonderful. And that's a very interesting and, and very profound movie. It happened at the, uh, the scenario was 1905 and the, the Jews are in, in Russia. And he's trying to put together a family <laughs> in that particular environment. Anyway, pray without ceasing. So how much we I think I've got enough time to get through a few, few more of these. Give thanks. While we're in First Thessalonians, 
along with all of the things that we're doing, we're studying, we're, we're proving, uh, the Spirit is filled within us. Oh, give thanks. In verse, in, in verse 18 it says, In everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning each one of us. I mean, everybody that he wrote to in Thessalonica are dead. So what is written is for us. As I say that many times. Anything that you read in the Bible, it's a personal thing. It belongs to you. It belongs to me. It belongs to this congregation. The Bible is ours. And the words are ours. And the truth is ours. And all we have to do is use it properly. While we're giving thanks, Paul says we also ought to rejoice. In verse 16 he says, Rejoice evermore. Boy, I mean, he got to the heart of it. And yet we live in a society in which there is so much trials, tribulations, different things that are going on, different situations in our own families and stuff. And so when we read about rejoicing, it's sometimes difficult. And yet we should be rethinking about what God is doing in our own personal lives as he is working with us on an individual basis and on our family. And those things that we can rejoice in, we should be rejoicing in. As Paul says, rejoice evermore. Matt gave this one last week, and I, and I was thinking about it. And it just fit right in. Whenever you think about light, light, does, do you automatically go to that scripture in, in Matthew and think about that light? That we are that light? If you're sitting and meditating and all of a sudden you think about light and you see the light, do you think about this scripture here that says, chapter 5, verse 14, you are the light of the world. We are the light of the world. I'm a very damn light, I think, sometimes. <laughs> but Christ says I'm a light of the world. A city that's set on the hill cannot be hidden. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but onto a, a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, not you're trying to convert them, but that they see your good works. That you are a diligent worker. That you are an honest worker. That you are someone that they can rely on. And even in a business sense, in any other sense, that they can rely on you. And that they see your light because of that. And it's important. Because we can also have, we can also shine a light that is a bad light, and it and it um, reflects poorly on 
on what we believe, on the truth that we, we understand. So when we are in the public and out in the public, then we should, that light should shine with the glory of Christ in us. In Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, Moses, I think this is some of the most profound stuff. Moses was encouraging, but also warning the Israelites as they were going to go into the promised land. And one of the things that was important for those Israelites to understand is that they were to obey the voice of God. They were to obey that voice. And it says um, in verse 20 of chapter 30 of Deuteronomy, that you may love the Lord your God and that you may obey his voice. That is, that is a theme in the Old Testament over and over. Obey my voice. Obey my voice. That you may cling to him for he is your life and the length of your days that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give them. Now this was a promise to, <clears throat> to Israel. But think about it. As a Christian, as someone that has come and been baptized and, and believes in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and who believes that someday you're going to be in that kingdom, and you're going to be in that same land, ruling over the world. That you love the Lord your God and that you may obey His voice and that you may cling to Him for He is your life and the length of your days. Eternal life is promised to us and that is a very long length of life. The second one is interesting in that Moses asked them to choose. To choose something very important in their life. And he said in verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that you have set before you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore choose life that both you and your seed may live. Now we know that they went to idolatry and God was very displeased with them and scattered them and, and, and everything. But we also know that, that God loved those Israelites and there is a promise to them as there is a promise to us. And there's covenants that are there. But for us also, we are to choose life. We are to choose eternal life. And that means choosing eternal life to be in the kingdom of God and to never give up. Within that choice, I wanted to read this. I could read this in the Old Testament, but I wanted to read Jesus' words on love and the love of God. And so in Matthew, the, the 22nd chapter, Matthew 22, So this is extremely important for, for us to understand. 36 through 40. He says, Master, what is the great commandment 
in the law. What's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So we are to love God as we love the Son, Jesus Christ. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. How much more difficult <laughs> one to, uh, to fulfill. I mean, I love God. He's called me out of this world. I love God. But then he says I have to love others in the world. I have to love my neighbor. I have to love those that, that probably don't like me very well or you know, don't believe the things that I believe. And so Jesus says, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus condensed it down. Now, it didn't, do, it didn't do away with any of it. it. just condensed it down to help us to understand the love of God and the love <coughs> excuse me, of our neighbor. Now, with that, you go in and you search the scriptures to find out more about the love of God and what God has done for you and what God is doing and what God has planned for you and what you're going to be involved in in, in helping your neighbor someday to understand this way of life so that you can love them today because you know that someday you're going to face those people in the kingdom and you're going to have to tell, teach them and help them to understand that this is the right way to, to go. This is God's way. This is the truth. I want to say something about church. Um, I think it's so very important. In Hebrews, the 10th chapter, um, I was, <laughs> I really felt bad. I was, I mean, I was coughing and, and blowing my nose and spit, you know, all the different things. I'm not even going to go into it. But anyway, I was in you know, bad shape and, so, anyway, I, two weeks. Last week, I, I was planning on coming, I was, I was all, and then all of a sudden, it came back and got worse, and, and I am so thankful that I'm not coughing today and not having that problem. Anyway, one of the things that I missed was you and the congregation and the, and the church and being here. I don't want to, I, I've got 1025, but I think I'd like to, I'd like, I'd like to start in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke to love and to good works. And that's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to provoke you to, to love and to good works in my message, in my, this very short little message that I have today. And verse 5, or 25, he, he says, not forsaking. Um, in my little margin or at the bottom, it says, not giving up the assembling ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting or encouraging 
one another so and so much more as you see the day approaching. I don't know. A lot of things are happening in the world. But I want to encourage us to come and be together and fellowship. We are going to need each other if this world starts to fall apart. We are going to need to be close to one another if this world starts falling apart. We're going to need this Sabbath. We're going to need the holy days. We're going to need the relationship that we have with one another. We may be praying a lot because of the things that are going on in the society that we live in. And the evil that might be coming on the world. I want to see us every Sabbath. If we're well, we should be here. Anyway. And I understand there's other things that go on in our life and it makes it difficult and can't always make it. And I understand that. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. And let's see. You have the, the paper, but I wanted to say one thing. And I got two things. I got five minutes. Um, James 4, verse 4. You adulterers and adulteresses, know you not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? And so whoever, therefore, will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. Now, in the Old Testament, he called the nation of Israel, uh, you know, he was, they were, he was married to them, and he called them a, a, adulterers. But what they were, were idolater, idolaters. And it's almost the same thing. The idolatry of going into the world and being a friend with the world. And I don't know all of the particulars here under what that circumstance is because we can't just leave the world. <laughs> we can't walk out of the world. We have to have some part in the world. But our friendships, our understanding, our, the way that we, we live is, is the things that we learn and, and are part of here. One other thing, and I would like for this to be with the young people, and I don't know if everybody's here or not, but um, in 2 Corinthians, Paul had this message for, for everyone, but especially, I think, for young people. As they're growing into that adulthood and, and looking forward to, to finding mates and different things, yoked. <laughs> One word, yoked. If you think Yoked. How do I? Oh, that's what you put on a horse, or you put on uh, that uh, um, that that bull that uh, pulls the, the plow. Um, in six fourteen, it says, "Be you not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion has light with darkness?" It is extremely important, and especially for our young people to understand, that if you become unequally yoked with someone out in the world, they may not like what you believe, and especially if you're married to them. Now, some people get along very well one to another, you know. They, and so even the Bible talks about, if, you have, if you're living with an unbeliever and they're very happy together with you, that's fine. But if you are new to this way, and you're, you're a young person, you want to find a mate, 
Find someone that believes the same thing that you do. Your life will be a lot better off. Don't become unequally yoked or tied together, because that's what it is, with an unbeliever. Okay. You can read the other two, evil and uh, the, do evil for evil, or, uh, and then abstain from evil. And I want to encourage each and every one of us for, with Peter's statement. Because it's important that all of us understand what we are to God. In 1 Peter, the second chapter, beginning in verse 9, you and I in this room, and I've our children, I believe even our children are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That really means God's own. A holy people. We're peculiar. We're holy. That you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. We are God's chosen people for today.